What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their view from the pew on Modern Day Radio. And welcome to this episode of View from the Pew. I'm your host, Brenda Aiken, and joining me today is the man who is a member of the Gallon Club at the American Red Cross, the good deacon Scott Aiken. Just gave more blood today. So not only are you a member of the Gallon Club, you might be getting close to setting a record because we added it up, and according to your file with the Red Cross, you have actually donated 15 gallons of blood over yeah. all of the years. I mean, we're talking about a lot of years, but sure, that's a lot of life-saving mission you're on. I am about to give blood. The gift of everlasting life. No, oh, wow, that's a big needle. Okay, here we go. Right, here we go. Oh, <clears throat> wow. I feel like a human juice box type ocean spray. Sure. This was today over at the Grotto. So just to give a shout out to the Grotto, they're great. And... They do a COVID antibody test on the blood too. So I'd give it for the Lord and then some. I'd say so. Boy, <laughs> that is a lot. Maybe that goes right along with your diaconal vocation in, in helping those who are sick. And I always praise the people that work there because not only are they just great people, but that is a great service. Also in January, in these cold months, we recognize that January is a month that we have so many March for Life events that happen around the country this year they're all canceled very few are happening in person and those that are are really limiting the numbers uh, just recently we found out here in the portland area the march in salem has been canceled there's not one happening in washington state and even washington dc they are limiting their numbers so we've gone to a few of those you however have been to one in washington dc before the 30th anniversary Right, right. And and when I went to that, I was going there on business and I, I wasn't planning to uh, take part in it. But uh, my day actually freed up that day that the march happened. And I was walking along and asking people were heading towards some direction. I asked them, are you heading to the March for Life? And it, it's amazing the story in terms of how God uses the moments. And he took that moment and connected me with this group of nuns and a priest who were going to take part in it, they gave me the clothes I needed basically to stay warm because I brought no warm clothes and it was January. And it in D.C.? Oh my goodness, and it was cold. And and so I had purple scarves and pink scarves and gloves that didn't quite fit and they gave me all the stuff to put on to go with them. They said, just, just go with us. So we went on the Metro over to the uh, Supreme Court. Um, that's where the march was heading towards. And I walk up to the Supreme Court steps with this group of four nuns and a priest. And all of a sudden, the priest takes the mic. He's one of the keynote speakers at the rally. Uh, so, and and they, get, they got you to hold their sign too, They did. Right? I was holding the sister's sign. And, uh, uh, and it was so such a tribute to our Catholic faith because people were so... Uh, gracious and so caring and there were people there that were really aggravated obviously that were were yelling at us but there was such a calm that uh, took over for the catholic community present and it really made me feel you know in light of what we're seeing in dc right now there is a presence of peaceful protest and in light of martin luther king's 
uh, right. you know, anniversary yesterday. We can do this peacefully. We can do this in a way that recognizes the dignity of the person who might just be screaming bitter words at us. Uh, and that's what I saw with these, uh, this whole group. And, uh, and little did I know that I'd be with the, one of the keynote speakers. It was, it was just an amazing day to, to be in the cold with these sisters and this priest who just God placed in my life or placed me in their lives. Oh, it's amazing how those things happen. And since that time, Scott, our children have gotten a little bit older and every year since then and recent years because they've gotten much older and away from us we haven't been but we would gather with our own church community get on a bus and we would travel sometimes in snow sometimes in rain to the steps of the Washington State Capitol and join in with our prayers our voice and support this pro-life generation. So that is what we're going to talk about today because coming up, I have a great opportunity to talk with good friend of Mater Day Radio, Daniel Oberreiter. Daniel is going to be a part of a wonderful pro-life conference coming up that you are going to be able to hear online. And he is going to share for him what it means to be part of a pro-life generation. And after that, on this week's View... We're going to share with you a renewal of commitment in our marriage as we remodeled our kitchen. And renewal is certainly what Pro-Life Month is all about, renewal of our commitment to life. And that life can also be our lives together in marriage. Yeah, that was a fun week for sure. Well, stay with us. we got a great show ahead for you on this week's View from the Pew. St. Francis saw himself as an instrument of God's peace. With a humble attitude of serving God, he not only transformed the world with his dedication to the Gospels and a life of poverty, but he also would sing praises to God and wrote songs or canticles to celebrate his faith. Francis would sing about God all around him and considered nature his brother and sister. Brother Sun, Sister Moon, I seldom see you, seldom hear your tune, preoccupied with selfish misery. Open my eyes to visions pure and fair, that I may see your glory around me. I am God's creature, of him I am part. I feel his love awakening my heart. Brother sun, sister moon, I now do see you, I can hear your tune, so much in love with all that I survey. This has been Michael Gisandi with a bit of Catholic encouragement. Hi, I'm Father Jeff Irvin, Vocation Director for the Archdiocese of Portland. Join Mater Dei Radio and the Archdiocese of Portland Office of Vocations as we unite in prayer for our parents. Gracious and loving God, you have blessed us with the privilege of becoming parents. We pray that we will be open to your spirit as we witness to our children your love for each of them and your desire for them to be happy. Help us to guide and encourage our children to believe that they each have a special calling and to use their gifts and talents for others. We pray, Heavenly Father, that our children will discover and respond enthusiastically to your desire for them, whether it be to the vocation of matrimony, holy orders, or consecrated life. We offer this prayer through the intercession of the Holy Family. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, pray for us. Amen. 
For more prayer resources and to let us know how we can pray for your intentions, please visit materdayradio.com. As we surpass three decades of broadcasting, all of us at Mater Dei Radio are thankful for the many blessings this special radio ministry provides to our Catholic community. To ensure that our faith continues to thrive in today's media, we hope you will consider including Mater Dei Radio in your estate planning. There are many estate planning options to choose from, but one way would be to include Mater Dei Radio as a beneficiary in your will. More information on estate planning is on our website at materdayradio.com. It's Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken with their View from the Pew on Mater Dei Radio. Church teaching has never wavered when it comes to the life of the most vulnerable. From conception to natural death, all lives are precious and sacred. But what does it mean to be pro-life? And is there room for differences of opinion on what that means? We all have a responsibility to educate ourselves and a wonderful virtual program of apologetics and formation is coming up on January 22nd to the 29th and you can be a part of the new pro-life generation. One of the wonderful speakers that you will get to hear on that is our good friend, Daniel Oberreiter, one of the speakers talking about what it means to be a pro-life generation. And he's with me today. Hello, Daniel. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. Daniel, I got to say, it would seem obvious, and maybe because it's I'm a person who has always believed that in a pro-life outlook. So when I hear those words, what does it mean to be pro-life? I think, well, it means to be like me. But not everybody (laughs) sees it quite the same way. So this conference is going to kind of help clarify those things and then give us the tools to take that on. You're going to be one of the speaker for you, Daniel. What are you going to be talking about and what does that mean, a pro-life generation? Yeah, well, first off, again, thanks, Brenda, for having me. Um, You know, I I, uh, re-recorded my talk. Uh, We pre-recorded our talks. I think some of them might be live in this conference. Uh, But, you know, I, I sat down and just thought to myself, yeah, you know, I think we a lot of times we do think, well, I'm pro-life, you know, just that's me. Yeah. But then I got to just thinking, what is the heart of being pro-life? And and what I really feel is just like, first off, we just recognize that we are creations of a almighty creator God. And to be pro-life is to embrace all that God has created. the All the good, the glories, you know, from the, the beautiful sunsets and then ultimately to... <laughs> The pinnacle of God's creation, humanity, humans, you know, I made them, God made them, he made them really good, you know, the final step, God makes humans, and he saved that final moment to make humanity. So the basics of, of what I think of being pro-life is to embrace all that God has created, and first it's with the basic saying, all that God created is good. And obviously we have a, you know, a hierarchy of, and, and humans are at the top there, when it comes to pro-life and with the pro-life issue of abortion, being pro-life is defending the sanctity of all life from natural conception to natural death. So that's the starting point that I start with. We are in love with God's creation, and we recognize that we are creatures. And I think that's a, a big step for a lot of people and that we've really forgot about in our world, is to say the fact that I'm a creature. I'm mm-hmm. created, and I have a creator, 
I mean, that in and of itself is just so profound. And the, what that means is there's something a lot bigger than me, <laughs> you know? Sure. That's, Daniel, um, it's wonderful that you are part of this conversation, but some might say, Oh, hold on, though. We're talking about a woman's body. That's a woman's choice. Men don't have should not have, I should say, an opinion on this matter. What do you say back to that opposition? Well, again, it's life begins at natural conception. Let's just go to a science book and see when life begins. It begins at the beginning. And it's, you know, in so many ways, this obviously has theological implications, but if you take the church even out of it, it just has a basic humanity level issues of just being human is so critical that we should defend life from the beginning. I mean, how crazy is it to think of a species that kills its own? Mm. <laughs> it's, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, I talk about in, in my talk, also too, from a theological point of view, is that we embrace all the church's teachings. Um, that we accept the Church as the revelation of Jesus Christ. Obviously, Jesus Christ, God made man, and then He gives us the Church. And we embrace all the Church's teachings from natural conception to natural death. And I want to add to that, being pro-life is obviously defending the unborn, but it's also trying to be the best, holiest person we can be, um, not sinning, not hurting others, Um, you know, avoiding sins like gossip or artificial contraception. Um, whatever it may be, uh, being pro-life is embracing all the Church's teachings. Daniel Oberreiter with me today. Daniel is going to be one of the many speakers that will be part of a pro-life conference that is coming up January 22nd to the 29th. Daniel, when times were a little bit more normal, you spent quite a bit of your ministry traveling the country, speaking to young people in all the states and even internationally, it seems that young people are, they are thirsting for the truth and they are bombarded from social media, online, internet, everything is giving them opinions and they are seeking the truth. When you are out talking to young people and you are teaching them about what it means to be pro-life, what is it that they are not getting from the church that maybe it's it's being kind of so loud in other ways? What do you find that's happening to our young people? Oh, Brenda, that's a big question. Um, I always say the number one problem in our church. I love my church, but we, you know, whenever you have a, a humans gathered, we have, we have discord sometimes. We have lost our, our vision and our mission. You know, our vision is to make the world Catholic, literally. That's what Jesus said, go out and make, make the world Catholic, make you know, baptizing in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to go out boldly proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And so I think to address your question um, for the youth, I think we are all starving for truth. We're all searching for truth and seeking for truth. But we live in a time and a world where truth seems like it's accessible, but it seems like it's as easy as a click away. But that only creates so much more confusion in so many ways. Our cell phones, depending on what, what website we, we drop into um, or you know who, what, what political leaning we, we go with, um, we're looking for truth kind of, it's kind of like looking for love in all the wrong places. Truth is to be found in Jesus Christ and within his Catholic Church and embracing the mission and the vision of the Catholic Church to evangelize. But for those that aren't ready to evangelize quite yet, 
I think I want to encourage people and say what I say to people and when I was doing missions is literally shut the phone off. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) And spend time with Jesus, especially in the Blessed Sacrament. Um, Turn the TV off. Turn the news off. You have to come back to the basis and the grounding of truth. I think people are just losing hope. You know, we have higher suicide levels because they're finding, they're looking, they're break, they're looking for truth and love and hope in the wrong places. The only place we're going to find it ultimately is in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And I mean, I always say abortion, at the end of the day, as horrific as abortion is, it's a symptom of the problem. It's a symptom of the problem. The problem is no God, you know? Oh, no wow. Peace. You know, so we have to address that number one issue of if obviously we want to work for laws that that make abortion illegal and that but we also want to make it unthinkable for a person to have an abortion. It would be unthinkable for someone to kill their baby if they were in love with Jesus and his church. But they fall in love with Jesus. And I always say, especially in the Blessed Sacrament, it would be unthinkable for them. Daniel Oberreiter is the lead singer of The Thirsting and joining me today as we help evangelize a new pro-life generation. Daniel is going to be part of an online conference that all are invited to be a part of. It is hosted by Father Leo Padalinghug, and it begins on January 22nd. Daniel, I think for me and in our minds, I look back at my life and I think, yes, I've I've been a pro-life person, but I think maybe perhaps that moment when that stirring of new life was within me and when that new baby was placed in my arms, it really kind of solidified it for people who don't have those very concrete ideas, or maybe they, they see themselves on this path, but are maybe open to contraceptives. Is there room in this conference for people to maybe start there and then really focus their journey towards what it means to be truly pro-life? Well, there's always room at the beginning of everything for God to work inside of our hearts. And even if a person doesn't have a relationship with God, there's always a beginning point. And, that, and I, I really feel that beginning point is, comes from, from each of us, that desire for truth. We live in a time where people base a lot of their decisions off of emotion. Right. And a lot of people don't think critically anymore. Um, if it feels good, that's what we do. If it feels right, that's it. Because it's, when we think critical, we have to look at ourselves. When we look at ourselves, back to that beginning thing that I said, you know, who am I? That question. I'm a creature. I'm a creature of God. That basic point of looking that I don't know everything, and I'm searching for truth. I'm searching for right living, right understanding. Um yeah, there's so much we could talk about that, Brenda, but I, there's always room for anybody within this conference, wherever you're at on the spectrum of your faith with God, we're searching and seeking for truth. What we see in abortion is this complete abrasion of truth, <laughs> right. complete destruction of beauty. I mean, just in and of itself, it's a destruction of beauty. Human life is beautiful. So there's all these avenues to open up to the divine, looking at the beauty of a human life. You know, like, what is it, you know, how many books would it take to write everything about the hu- humans? You know, all the information that my body stores in it. You know, just, that millions of books could be written about just my single body and wow. all the information that's stored in my body. I mean, that, my body needs a creator. It's like, 
to say that a book has no creator. You know, we all know an author authors a book. And my book is my body, my temple, and I have an author. Oh, it's absolutely. And may the pages of that book always give praises to him, the divine author. Mm-hmm. Daniel, I so appreciate your time today. We are very much looking forward to the conference. Daniel, you are going to be in good company along with Chris Stefanik, Dr. Ray Garendi, Teresa Tamio, Steve Ray, even Sonia Corbett, all going to be part of this wonderful day. Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you for having me, Brenda. I really appreciate it. And again, that is Daniel Oberreiter. I will be sure to add links to where you can find information about the Pro-Life Generation Conference coming up. I'm going to add that information to the podcast of this interview, and you're going to find it all at materdayradio.com. My soul's been longing, heart's been searching for your precious body, love for over me, my soul. And we're back with this week's View from the Pew. It was a wonderful opportunity that I got to have talking with Daniel. We've known him for a number of years. And what just an inspiring man who is so eager to share what it means to be the pro-life generation and what it means to be an authentic Catholic. It was a great, uh, great time to talk with him. He used to be the youth minister up at St. Joseph Parish in Vancouver. And I worked with him when I was actually working with youth group. Uh, there, which is before my diaconate. So he's been he's been our community a, a, a real um, uh, standard of of expressing our Christian faith, not only in his actions of ministry with the youth group, but also with his music and oh. just beautiful music. He both he and his wife just do wonderful. Oh, they lift us up, and it's amazing how we can look to couples like that to lift us up. Because Scott, we needed a little bit of lifting this week because we started a kitchen remodel, something that we had been thinking about for a long time. As much as I had dreamed about getting all of the new appliances and beginning this process, home remodeling, not always a pleasant experience. It's not pleasant until it's all done. And we are living through it right now. It was a little tough week. Yeah, gosh. And you know, it helps you when you reflect on it. It's like anything that we do that we have a vision of, the vision is our vision. And getting to that vision can be challenging, you know, and so that's what we certainly experienced this week because, my gosh, just coordinating people, electricians, uh, carpenters, uh, coordinating people's schedules, uh, and especially in the midst of COVID and then being mindful of all right. of those, those cautions and then getting the kids out of the house when, you know, they're there and, oh my gosh, the timing was such a stress, but it was something that we continued to work together to keep the vision in mind but recognize, okay, you know, I got to, I got to give some mercy here to you, or I got to give some mercy to myself to not be so overwhelmed by all the. It it does bring out weaknesses. Now my weaknesses, I'm, I'm weak. I've noticed that the older I'm getting, and I'm not old now, I wouldn't say, but as a person, a woman in her fifties, I'm not as strong in the arms as I used to be. And you like to you want to be able to do a lot of things on your own. And when you have to rely on me, especially when it comes to strength, it gets a little bit tense because I panic if I believe that I'm not going to be able to pick something up. And there were some heavy things in that house that we were getting out. 
Yeah, a couple, couple things that you, one is that you don't throw the kids around or like you're on your shoulders like you sure. used to do and pack them around and, and the diaper bag and everything else. So you don't have that weightlifting opportunity anymore. And, and for me, I, I recognize, yeah, the older I get, the less I can depend on myself to get things done. I'm going to have to ask for help. And so, yeah, it's a growing experience, even at 54 for my age that, you know, I'm still learning to grow how to, how to not be the obstinate teen who says, I can do it myself. So needless to say, there was a little bit of tension. Now, here's what we've also learned in 30 years of marriage is that there does come a time where you and I just go to separate corners for a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. Because what it would feel good to just fire off and just come up with all of the terrible things that you're feeling about the other person. And that would just take up all of the air and joy out of the situation. So we recognize after 30 years of marriage, we love each other dearly, but there does come a moment where we just need a little bit of space. And we did get to that point this week, unfortunately. But as soon as we just had those few minutes away to calm down, we recognize we got to get this done and we're back at it together. God rang the boxing bell. Ding, ding, ding. And we had to go to our corners. <laughs> so you went upstairs into the bedroom and shut the door. And I went over to my seat in the living room and sat down and we both took deep breaths and we came back to it. So if that surprises you, let this be just a little bit of view to inside of our house that at thir after 30 years of marriage, even though Scott is a good deacon and ordained by God to be a minister of the church, our marriage probably very typical as to what you are experiencing. We've just gotten very good at recognizing our limitations. We recognize where the devil is trying to get kind of a, a foothold in there. And we recognize it. We step away from it. We build our strength again. And then we come together. And now I got to say, I've got a beautiful gas oven, something that I've been dreaming about literally for 30 years of marriage, a new oven that you are installing and praise God. It, those are blessings. Even, even something as simple like a new stove. What a blessing that is because in the United States, we, we want for very little. We want for very little. So I look at those things as a blessing and those are opportunities for us to come together. And as we were preparing for today's radio show, we, we as always pray and we ended our prayer with a prayer to St. Joseph being the year for St. Joseph and St. Joseph the carpenter. Oh my goodness. I relied on him as we were going through this <laughs> asking for his, uh, his intercession. And you know, the kids get to watch us go through that dynamic and they recognize, I think by our example, that things that we might envision are, can be challenging. And how do we stay in together with the vision, even though we have to contend with frustrations and setbacks. And we don't hide that from the kids. We let the kids be a part of that. And we let them know, hey, you know what? I was I was wrong. I, I shouldn't have let myself get upset. I'm sorry. If we can't say we're sorry to our children with contriteness, how are we going to say that to, to God in, in earnest? In oh, contriteness? So it, I, I think it's a great... It's all about humility. And it's a great lesson for them to see how things can blow up, but also an even better lesson on those problem solving skills and how do you make up and how do you stick with it? So it was a great week. Nonetheless, through the Lord, we overcome. And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune back in next week as we share with you more stories about our faith, our family and our view from the pew. And as always, have a great week and God bless. 
You've been listening to View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Aikens and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at moderndayradio.com slash pew. View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon.